Hello, everybody. This is Dan Woods, and we're at another edition of the Early Adopter Research Podcast, Designing Enterprise Platforms. Today, we're talking with... Chris Brayton from East Centaur. Chris is uh, head of Channels and Alliances, and he's going to be talking to us today about our research uh, questions here at RSA 2020, which was, which are, what's blocking comprehensive platforms for cybersecurity? That's the research direction I've decided to pursue this RSA, and I'm focusing on four questions. Have platforms in cybersecurity been slower to develop than in other domains? What is the, why has the rise in point solutions been so broad and persistent in cybersecurity? Are we entering a phase in which broad platforms will emerge and take more of the share of spending? And finally, if not, how will all the point solutions be made to work together? Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, eCentire, then we're going to go over these questions, and then we're going to talk a little bit about their uh, um, platform and the category that they've created. Uh, it's called Managed Detection and Response, correct? That's correct. Okay. Managed Detection and Response, so, MDR. First, tell us a little bit about you know what is eCentire and what is Managed Detection and Response, and, and what is this adaptive threat fabric, I believe, that you've developed? Sure. So eCentire is a managed detection and response service offering. It's managed security as a solution. It's comprised of four core components in our product portfolio that enable us to generate uh, data from different points within a customer's network or their IT infrastructure, bring that data back to our SOC or Security Operations Center, where we use a combination of AI and machine learning protocols, along with about 100 uh, security analysts that work in our SOC. We process a massive amount of data using the AI and machine learning protocols, and there we look for what we call indicators of compromise. Right, where we believe that we have detected uh, the presence of a potential breach, right, we're able to engage the R component of MDR, right, which is response. We're able to identify a potential breach, and then we can actually contain that breach, freeze it in its tracks, if you will, and limit it to one or two devices. Got it. And so the idea here is that you are a good person to talk to about this whole idea of a platform because you are looking at the entire landscape of cybersecurity inside a company as essentially a platform that you can both learn from in terms of harvesting data, but then also control and, and, and make react to a, a, uh, an event if something happens. That's right. I think that's a good summation of it. Got it. So what I want to do now is go through and just talk in general about these research questions. The first question is, have platforms in cybersecurity been slow, slower to develop than other domains? Do you think that, you know, if, if we look around the floor here at, at, at RSA, you've got more solutions that are narrow than you have solutions that are wide. While if you go to other enterprise software domains, you know, there, there's like six platform vendors who basically control the whole, you know, market, and then there's little niche things that do smaller, you know, things that, that fit in. Why do you think it's the opposite in cybersecurity? Uh, I don't know if it's the opposite. I think it's more just where we are as a snapshot in time for the evolution of the industry. And I think a lot of those other industries have been around for longer, and so as a natural consequence of their evolution, we see the development of platforms. So if you look at an example of one of those large software platforms, I suspect Oracle may fit the bill of some of what you're talking about. Well, like SAP's ERP system, sure. I think, is one, where they started out with basically doing the finance role, and then they then there was a, an explosion of like three-letter acronyms, CRM, SCM, mm -hmm. and all that, and then eventually 
you know, both Oracle and eBusiness Suite and SAP, you know, brought those into this larger, somewhat integrated umbrella. They did. And so I think if you go back to the beginning, before SAP became what they are today, and a lot of other companies follow this similar evolutionary path, you start with what were in effect in the IT space a lot of point solutions. And the evolution of the model and point solutions led to the development of a platform. But it was typically a platform that accomplished a single purpose. Think of software as a service. Right? You start with one software package, it becomes software as a service, but then you're able to actually combine that by adding another capability to that platform. And from there, the platform grows from essentially a single or a couple of use cases into something that's much more comprehensive and addresses, addresses a wider a range of use cases. Sometimes this happens through acquisition, and so it's not uncommon to see an SAP or an Oracle acquire a company that's got a particular capability that they desire. Part of the vetting in that process on the technical side is to understand, can we take the technology right, that comprises the current solution that we're looking at as a potential acquisition target and modify that or develop our way into adding that to our platform? And so over time, you get something that started as a catalyst from a single platform and grew into multiple platforms right. that now address a much more comprehensive array of challenges. Right or solve a comprehensive array of problems in the IT space. But but we just it just hasn't happened as fast. And if you look at the ratio of companies, you know we've still got massive growth in point solutions on the cybersecurity floor. You know I, I would think it's, it's it's pretty easy to argue that there's been a longer uh, uh, phase of of point solution growth and dominance than there has been in other uh, realms. Because you know in 1990 early 90s. ERP was, you know, a relatively narrow solution, and by the 2000, it was a massive platform. And we've already had 10 or 15 years of cybersecurity, where you know the closest thing we have to platforms are like next-generation firewalls, or you know these uh, a variety of different integrated product suites from Fortinet or from McAfee or you know, from Cisco. So, but I mean, why do you think the? I mean, I guess we have, the next question is why do you, has the rise in point solutions been so broad and persistent? And you would argue, well, it hasn't. I would argue that it has. Well, I actually wouldn't argue that it hasn't. I would argue that it's just a reflection of where we are as a point in time. And I don't disagree with you that it's been slower to develop in cybersecurity than perhaps in other industries. I think part of that is it really did two reasons why we see this. I think. One of the first reasons is that in cybersecurity, unlike in many other industries, you actually have threat actors that are working against you to thwart, to thwart the value proposition of what you're building. And so within that, there's an inherent complexity that you don't see in other areas of IT. Right? You may have organizations that aren't fully on board and aligned with the idea of developing a platform that solves a broad array of problems, but no one's really working actively against it the way that you see threat actors in the cybersecurity space. Well, you know, that's really interesting because I think what you're, what you're arguing is that, that uh, the point solutions are forced into existence because any white space that's out there gets attacked. Correct. While in ERP, if there's white space out there, well, people just use spreadsheets to deal with it or, or create a custom app or whatever. But here, it's forced on the industry. That's a really interesting concept. And I think the second uh, component that factors into this is there's a relative lack of standardization in the cybersecurity space relative to what you see in other IT spaces. As a result, you see a lot of point solutions that are developed, and we can say that they're in the same market, for example, endpoint technology or identity access management, but there really isn't a larger overall standards body that ensures that the data that's being collected or aggregated or the way that that data is transmitted and communicated does so in a standard format. 
And as a result, when you look to take a number of these different point solutions and combine them together into a broader overarching platform, you run into all kinds of challenges around things like APIs and data formatting and data structure, metadata. It all becomes a challenge to create a unified single pane of glass. Well, you know, that's we're going about to get that. You know, basically, these problems seem pretty deep, the ones you mentioned that are preventing the assembly of a platform from a lot of component parts. Mm -hmm. um, and so one of the questions, the next question I have is, are we entering a phase in which broad platforms will emerge and take more of the share of spending? And if we look at you know some of the companies, like Fortinet has done a job of integrating, mostly through its own development, the um, a, a platform of related solutions. McAfee has the same sort of thing, except it's much more you know been evolved through acquisitions, and Cisco is, is evolving that same way. But but in any event, you have this idea of the the need for integration, the need for a simple simplified management console, the need to productize that integration, the need to have common reporting and analytics, the need to be able to coordinate the response. And all of those things, you know, are driving people, I think, to want the platform, but it seems like that the industry is it's, it's finding it harder maybe to deliver that than than uh, than you would than than other domains have been. Yeah, I think so. I think there is a challenge in delivering that, and I think we may be entering a phase in which platforms will emerge and take more of a share of the spending. I think broad platforms is going to be a challenge for a number of reasons: the lack of standardization and some of the other things that we've we've touched on earlier. But I do think that we will see a rise in platforms that will emerge. And when you look at some of the challenges facing the cyber industry today, right, as a as a company that's looking to protect itself by employing technology, they've got a series of challenges that most all companies face. They have inherently, when you deploy security technology, what gets generated, the output of that is often a massive amount of data. And so you have a data processing problem on your hands. Right? This is inherently one of the outputs of most of the security technology. A second challenge that you're facing is time. You don't have a tremendous amount of time in which to act upon this massive amount of data that you're generating. Many cyber attacks are over in less than 25 hours. Right? They're often very discreet. Uh, we see ransomware, the fastest ransomware today can operationalize in as little as six seconds. It means it can literally spread from one device to the next in an organization in less than six seconds. So you compound this challenge of having to uh, manage and analyze a massive amount of data, and you've got to do this in a short period of time. Then you add into the fact that a lot of this data is coming in in different formats, and a lot of these platforms or these solutions actually lack something like an API interface to enable you to easily and simply ingest this data into this dashboard that you're theoretically creating with the platform. Another challenge that you have is the lack of a skilled workforce. Right? So there are just not enough skilled security people to go around to be able to operate and drive all of this different technology. And we see this as one of a common challenge, particularly in the mid-market sector. It's about 350,000 open headcount in the United States for people with security skills. The unemployment rate in the security space is virtually almost zero. Um, and, and as a result, you've got a challenge with not only being able to implement the technology effectively and to do it against this construct of data and time, but then the people that are actually available to be able to utilize the technology and drive it forward, right, they're often hard to come by, and when you do come by them, they're even harder to retain. So it seems like all that would be arguing that a platform, if you could make one, would be very valuable because it would solve all of those, a lot of those problems. 
but the idea is that in order to make a platform that's valuable, you have to solve all those problems. You have to solve all of those problems. You certainly have to solve the data interconnect problem. You know, much like we talked about earlier, where you have a threat actor who's actually actively working against the success of your solution in the security space, a challenge that you don't face in the IT. You also have another paradigm in cybersecurity that you don't have typically in other IT-based industries, right? which is most IT-based industries are looking to either reduce cost as an output of their product or increase efficiency and therefore generate better margins for their customers. The cybersecurity space is about the absence of loss. You're trying to negate a negative. Right? And so you don't often see the ability to translate that into an ROI at the board level when budgets are being set. It's the absence of a loss. You're trying to prevent loss and risk. You're minimizing risk as opposed to reducing cost and creating greater efficiencies and greater profitability for your company. And that's a conversation that the board level in the United States and companies really needs to start to get their head around. And they're going in that direction, but it's not quite there yet. So when you look at the development of something like an SAP, one of the components is that people see an opportunity to generate money by selling a solution into a market that actually makes money one way or another for their customers. And this is about developing a solution that actually reduces risk and mitigates loss. Yeah, I, so it's a different paradigm. So if, if it's going to be really hard for a platform to emerge, then the question is, how will all the point solutions be made to work together? And here we can get back into the, to the East Centire, you know, uh, managed... Uh, 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 managed detection and response. Detection and response yep. platform. Um, so, what you're say, you said earlier that, you know, East Centire's managed detection and response platform is all about integrating all the data, harvesting it from all the different points, Creating a model that that has various levels of maturity, and that's one of the things you, you I, I looked up in my research for this interview was your ebook on the definitive guide to um, manage detection response, where the, it essentially lays out a maturity model of, of detection and response that starts with you know the kind of lower levels, uh, just just being aware of things, and then mm -hmm. gradually moves into the the fully. Uh, uh, a modeled environment that has a predictive element to it. Um, so, you know, what what are the rules that, you know, it sounds like what you're, you're really arguing is that your adaptive threat fabric is sort of like a pretty substantial step toward an integrated view of the landscape that you could consider a platform in that it delivers a lot of the things we're saying. Unified information, uh, the ability to orchestrate a response, Automation and analytics, uh, reporting, all of these things come out of this managed uh, detection and response capability. Um, you know, what, what, I mean, what role does an MDR system play in a comprehensive platform and how far do you think it gets? So I think it gets further than anything else we've seen in the security industry towards becoming a true platform. Right, it still lacks a unified pane of glass, although we can argue that we might have something approaching that in our SOC. Um, but even to pull this off, we need over 100 SOC analysts that are trained in-house and that are adept at using our AI and machine learning protocols to process this massive amount of data. When we look at something like the adaptive threat fabric, the adaptive threat fabric is really a concept. It's not literally a security fabric. But the concept is that no matter what the customer's environment is shaped like, whether it's heavily reliant on traditional IT networking and therefore it's full of firewalls, or if it's more of a cloud-driven model, or it's uh, somewhere in between in a hybrid model, right, we've got the ability using our four basic services to be able to cover 
that unique environment that every customer necessarily represents. And so it's an agility of a solution, like you would think of a, of a fabric. And maybe an analogy would be a bulletproof fabric, right? As opposed to a shield or a helmet, you've got this Kevlar material that you can actually weave and create into a vest, right? And it can become much more adaptive to the shape of the person that's, that's employing it for protection. And so it seems like what you, implicitly what you're saying is that the MDR product, the M is really important in that you are not delivering this integrated uh, uh, environment to the customer so they can run it. That's right. Part of your product is actually the people who that's are correct. running it. Yes, and that's so correct. And you, so you, 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 this is different than the products, the other enterprise domains, in that most of the other enterprise domains don't have people running it. They actually hand you that so that you can run it. That's right. They create an efficiency that makes it easier for their customers to run a solution, right? So think software as a service. You still need somebody to manage it, right, within the customer environment. The customer needs those people to be able to do that, but they probably need far fewer of them than if they were to deploy a, a locally-based solution with software on physical hardware. Whereas we look at a managed security solution, when we look at all those point products, each of them creates a challenge in and of themselves, which is you still need the IT people with the skilled security, with the security skills rather, to be able to operate that technology. They've got to be able to implement it. They've got to adjust the settings. There's a lot of maintenance that goes on with it beyond just provisioning. And then they have to be able to take that data and use that data to conduct something like threat hunting in order to protect their company. Right, and, and the, the boundary of a, your MDR offering is not that you run all the point solutions for somebody, but you integrate all the data from them and then report on incidents and then either, if you can directly control those, those systems, use them to stop a response or you can tell somebody else to do so. That's right. And there's a lot of elements of the security infrastructure that we don't manage for our clients. Things like firewalls, identity access management, dual, fact, uh, dual factor authentication. Those are all things that we don't manage. We can provide valuable and meaningful data on how they could be managed differently, um, but we don't manage them today. So with our network sensor solution, which sits behind somebody's firewall and sees all the data going through a firewall, our endpoint solution, there's an element of managing the endpoint to be sure, but we're not just providing an outsourced management of somebody's endpoint capability. We work with Carbon Black and with CrowdStrike on this because those are the two leading EDR, or endpoint detection and response products. Those are products that enable us to pull rich and meaningful data back from the client's environment so that we can process that with AI and machine learning. Again, to reduce this down to a manageable level for our SOC analysts to be able to actually detect a threat. Got it. And, and those represent, like what I was saying earlier, the suites that are on their way to being platforms, uh, your at least larger suites. That's correct. Got it. And so um, one of the things that, that uh, you guys must have to do is, is worry about the integration between your capabilities and their capabilities. And one of the things I've seen argued by the platform vendors is that unless you have that inside umbrella of one company, you rarely expose enough uh, data or enough automation capability in a publicly available API in order to get the job done. Do you guys find that you're frustrated a lot because the APIs that you have to work with don't give you all the data that you would want and don't give you the ability to automate a response? No, we're not frustrated by it by any means. I mean, it, the industry is what it is, and you've got to work within those constraints. 
we do see APIs with some of the security technology that's out there. And the APIs, for example, would connect into Sumo Logic's technology. And that was part of the reason for us selecting Sumo Logic for our ES Log, solu ES -Log Plus solution. Right? That they already had ready-made APIs to a lot of the leading security technologies that are available today. So that does give us an ability to ingest data from somebody uh, like an Okta or a Duo, for example, uh, through Sumo Logic and then into our SOC where we can we can then run uh, things like um, run books against it uh, to be able to use that data to conduct thread hunting. But when we look at endpoint technology, there's only two providers that we're working with today where we can ingest their data. So if somebody else has another endpoint solution as a prospective client that's already in place, Right, we're not going to be able to ingest their endpoint data. Right? We don't have a serial bus interface, if you will, for all the different endpoint providers that are out there. And the process of selecting an endpoint provider to work with as a partnership, like we did with Carbon Black and then again with CrowdStrike, part of that is understanding what the development requirement is to be able to ingest that data into our SOC. And there are some technologies out there that were, even though they claim to be EDR, we're not able to ingest that data, and so we simply don't have a choice in working with them. Got it. And then, and, you know, and pretty much, I'm sure, as soon as a huge customer arrives with a new EDR platform, well, maybe you'd add that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we have to look at opportunity, right, when it's out there, and we're not immune to that either, by okay. any stretch. Good. Um, and then what are the major systems that you draw from, you know, in your MDR offering? You said the one that is clearly there is the, um, uh, the endpoint, uh, the endpoint, you, EDR is endpoint detection and response. Endpoint detection and response. Yep. You, you, you mentioned firewalls, you mentioned mm -hmm. uh, identity uh, mm -hmm. providers. Uh, what are what is the landscape of all the things that you ingest and then can interact with? So the primary data that we ingest and the majority of our customers is the network sensor solution. It's called ES Network, and that's a piece of proprietary technology that we developed uh, as a form of software. It sits on commercial third-party off-the-shelf hardware, and that sits next to somebody's firewall. And it's looking at the data, the traffic that's already gotten through the firewall. So the firewall screens all number of things, and there's value in having the firewall to be sure. But we want to look at what's getting through that firewall, and then by proxy, what's, what's also going outbound through uh, an egress mode through the firewall. We take the metadata of that and we send it back to our SOC. Um, we have uh, a number of our customers are also using the endpoint solution, right? So that's additive to network. With network, we get more south traffic. With endpoint solution, we get a lot of access to data before it's going to make its way to the network, right? And potentially, we're significantly shortening our potential time to a recognition of an uh, indicator of compromise and our ability to solve for it. Uh, becomes exponentially faster. Okay. Then we can also pull in content um, logging data from applications that may be sitting in the cloud. Right? And so this is the ES Cloud solution that, that we employ. That gives us the ability now to work with things like Azure, Google, uh, AWS, uh, as well as other um, environments like Office 365. And the ability to pull those software as a solution, uh, software as a service, logging data right back into our SOT to conduct real-time threat hunting on it, now we're looking at more than just network and endpoint. We've got the ability to generate rich data from other security solutions that are out there uh, and from other non-security driven platforms. That's the ES Log Plus. And then ES Cloud enables a whole rich new suite of capabilities for cloud-based applications. Got it. And so you, you essentially sort of created your own kind of uh, universal network uh, uh, examination layer, something like what Gigamon offers in terms of like being able to, you know, kind of 
allow access to um, the network traffic and do analytics on it, things like that. Well, yeah, what we're really doing with the network traffic is we're just looking at the metadata. We don't export the actual data itself anywhere. It's the metadata, which is a descriptive language that tells us what the traffic actually is. And that enables us to tune the network sensors so that we can ignore legitimate traffic that's going out on a regular basis for the customer and start to look at the things that stand out as not normal, right? And based on that, we're enabled to take a zero-trust approach. Now, we still generate a massive amount of data even when we filter out all of the data that we know is legitimate on a customer's network, and that's where the AI and machine learning comes in. Really, that's... What's so interesting about the network sensor is that it's not an inline solution, so it doesn't disrupt live production environment traffic. And that's been one of the challenges historically with network sensors. They are in line necessarily by their design, and as a result, because they disrupt live production environment traffic, they're really only able to be employed on weekends or, or weeknights or holidays, right? It's not often when you're necessarily able to find all of the threats that you're looking for. And then, in, in terms of when you orchestrate a response, do you actually take control of the firewalls and tell people, or do you tell somebody to do so? So the answer is we can do either. We don't necessarily take control of the firewalls, but what we do is block the signal uh, from a piece of malware or a virus, for example, from getting back to the right. hacker. So you, right? you, you, you tell a firewall, stop this IP address, stop this network port, et cetera, yeah, we, et we, yeah, we've got a couple of different basic IP tools that we use to do that. Um, now, it depends on what the customer wants. We have some customers who say, if you see something that's suspicious or malicious, stop it, right? Stop everything and then let us know. And we have others, um, and sometimes it's driven by vertical, who say, I don't want you touching anything on my network. You let me know and then we'll be the ones who can act on it. And then we have others who say, we're somewhere in between. If it's between uh, normal business hours, then just notify us and we'll act on it. Outside of normal business hours or on weekends, we want you to stop it and then notify us. Or it may be that uh, what we're seeing needs to meet a particular profile, right? Stop what looks like this profile. For everything else, just notify us so that we can act upon it. Got it. Well, this has been a really good podcast. We've, we've given you some really good ideas, especially that idea about the uh, hacker's be playing a helpful role in, in driving uh, uh, aggressive point solution growth. Uh, and uh, it's been a lot of fun talking to you. Thank you so much. I hope you have a great show. Likewise. Thank you. I enjoyed the conversation. Mm -hmm.